You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. This is session number 005. On this episode, you'll hear Peter Shankman transparently share the importance of treating people right and the impact of customer service within your family. The next 50 years of the economy are pretty much going to be driven by the customer interaction. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. Building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, everyone. So great to have you join me today. If I haven't told you already, I am super grateful for you investing your precious time uh, to visit right here at the Up In Your Business podcast. Uh, Last week, I was in San Francisco for an event with my company. Uh, We gathered about 60 executives from 35 large brands, got to tour the beautiful Airbnb headquarters, and I even got to meet Spike Lee uh, real briefly. That was pretty cool. It was really interesting. At the Airbnb headquarters, I was reminded about the level of hospitality that this company strives to create. And if if you're not familiar with Airbnb, they're an internet platform where individuals can rent out their homes, their bedrooms, cabins, RVs, or even a treehouse to complete strangers. And like a hotel, uh, these hosts, uh, people just like you and me, they serve their visitors obviously for a fee, but they are able to make money from their unused resources that they already own. And currently, Airbnb has more rooms available across the globe than the largest hotel chain in the world. And it's super fascinating. Where they're trying to win is to give users these unique and local and hospitable experiences, as hospitable as possible. And so that becomes one of their key tenets and key focuses. And I share that with you today because we're going to talk with someone who knows a lot about excelling in customer service. Our guest today, he's an author, a consultant, and an entrepreneur with three companies and a multi-million dollar exit under his belt. Uh, He speaks to companies Uh, all around the world about how to provide amazing customer service. And his newest book, Zombie Loyalist, Using Great Service to Create Rabid Fans. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Shankman. Uh, Let's jump into that interview right now. How are you, sir? Howdy, howdy. Good to be here. Well, awesome. It is great to have you. Uh, We first met at Dad2Summit a couple years ago. And for those of you that don't know, that's an annual Daddy Blogger conference. And you were speaking, and you were just having your daughter, uh, Jessa. And I remember you saying, this is the first time I've stood in front of an audience that knows more about the subject matter than I. And I'm sure that doesn't happen very often for you. It does not. That was a little, uh, a little interesting. Um, you know, it was one of those moments where, like, wow, I'm talking about, you know, the stuff that I know uh, to a room full of people whose brains I really wish I could steal uh, about what I need to know. 
<laughs> right. Uh, you, in that same moment, I remember there was uh, some moment of vulnerability there um, about having a child, becoming a father, feeling powerless. Um, it, it was actually quite inspiring. It's, it, it, was, it was fun to see you in a different role. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. People people tell me all the time that they say, um, you know, you're so easy on stage. Is it is it um, that way with your life? You know, is everything that simple? I'm like, I wish. You know, I I can tell you if there is if there is four ways to do thing to do one specific thing, there are 74 ways to do it wrong in front of my wife. Right. You know, um, while on the flip side, you know, the things that I thought were going to be ridiculously difficult about raising a child. Um, turned out to be the easiest and it was the it was the easiest thing that turned out to be the hardest you know it's never it's never what you think it's going to be i think there's a metaphor uh for business in that as well it's the things that we think they're going to be easy that are not such and the things that seem to be easy not so much and you've been writing about pr and marketing for over a decade and um you founded companies you've sold companies you've launched books you've spoken all over the world um, how has uh, today's Peter Shankman changed or evolved um, over the last ten years? It's a great question. I think that I think that everything you do, you know, if you imagine your life as a sales cycle, you know, the only way to sell appropriately is to make sure that you're doing the right testing, you're doing the right. Um, you know, are you are you uh, testing multiple channels? Are you driving targeted traffic? Are you actually making sales? You know, and with that being said, for me, I think you can find that every time you do something, you have to put at least five percent of the effort into figuring out what you're going to be when it's done. Mm. Right? Are you going to be the same person? Are you going to be different? Are you going to be whatever it is? For me, it's um, very much about growing, sort of figuring out what's next that that not only is just something new to do or, or exciting to do and not only something that generates revenue but something that fits on the sort of trend map of, of of where I'm going. You know, what I did years ago is something entirely different than what I'm doing now, right? What's next is really the question. Where are you what what what's next for me? And and I think I think we're all we all get into different places like that. Um you see people who evolve in their industries, they go from, um, uh, you know, they get the uh, title, 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 they improve, they get raises, promotions, and then people who switch industries completely, you know, they go from working in finance to like developing a, a designer, a drinkable tea brand, you know? Right, right. So I think that understanding that everything has a life cycle and that there's always a part of you that should be looking towards what's next is some of the best ideas. Where do you invest in yourself in, in doing that? I mean, obviously, you're, you're speaking to a little bit of personal innovation. Um, how have you uh, invested in yourself for you know, some of the transition and growth that you've experienced? Um, I think for me, one of the first things I did is, you know, I'm at a point right now where I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. You know, I have, um, I am speaking, I'm consulting, I'm doing all that, I'm having a blast with it. Um, but I'm starting to get bored. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in this ADD, ADHD world we live in, um, some people are worse than others. Um, I have the attention span of a turnip. <laughs> and because of that, I tend to 
jump into things very fast because I love them and I, I, I work them really, really hard. Um, and then I figure out what's next. Yeah. So I don't know what's next for me yet. It's funny. I'm actually going on a, I'm leaving Friday morning on a three week speaking tour in Sydney, in uh, all over Australia. And I have a feeling that something is going to come from that. It usually does. One of those middle of the night uh, revelations or over cocktails in a conversation. All of that is interesting how it, it sparks. Story of my life. And you have had kind of a theme um, amongst all your books is all about, you know, serving people, treating people well. And I think, you know, it's, it's irony. Some people see you on stage and see your brashness and see your, you know, gregariousness. And, and then there's this other side of you that's warm and friendly and inviting. Um, the, People that you speak to most um, that inspire you to become more connected, more warm, more um, of that customer-centric person, who are those individuals who have inspired you or that you've watched and, and wanted to emulate? I look at um, people from the very beginning, like Richard Branson, um, all the way down the line to uh, – I have a, a cycling partner named Ryan Shell. Ryan founded something called the Home Tee, which is a T-shirt with a state logo on it. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably the simplest thing in the entire world, and yet he has turned it into an actual business, a viable business. He has employees; they're doing things much more than just T-shirts, and it's impressive. We've been sharing an office for the past year, and it's very impressive to watch how he works. Um, mm. He is very, very good at all of the things that I'm terrible at. Like um, uh, he is just a stickler for. He tests everything, right? Mm-hmm. So anything he does is a marketing test behind it. And I wish I had that ability. I wish I had more ability to simply do the the, the what I'm looking for logistical work. More uh, of the data driven, or yeah, yeah. It's head. not. It's just not my head. It's not how my head works. And you said uh, Richard Branson, because I yeah. think that that's an interesting comparison. So Richard Branson, you know also on stage or in the spotlight seems like someone who, again, gregarious and outgoing. And then you're comparing his warmth. How, how so? I think that he has the ability to create great businesses, but in every business, there's still that core tenet that the customer is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, he was going up against British Airways, which really believed that they were the most important thing through the customers. That was easy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I, I, I truly believe if anyone wants to, if, if anyone can provide a great customer service experience, they best, their best bet is to start an airline. Right. Because it would just be the easiest thing to, to, to take over. Or as I say, I think every, every young person should have to work in food service for two years. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. The world would be a different place. No question. Um, there was a story you actually told me about uh, Richard Branson, and I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head about an experience you had with him that kind of... Um, underscored that um, description you just gave. Well, a, fr- a friend of mine uh, wound up uh, meeting him at a party, and the guy then proceeded to we told him he was uh, he was a top flyer on on, on Virgin. And uh, when he found out his wife was pregnant, Richard Branson actually wrote a, a blog post about their youngest ever frequent flyer, which was this kid's daughter, mm-hmm. my friend's daughter. And that now, of course, like you know, how, how do you how do you become loyal to any other airline in the world when the CEO, of the, one of the biggest, has just 
totally giving your daughter lifetime platinum status. It's pretty difficult. Right. Oh, gosh. And in your book, uh, Zombie Loyalist, um, we were talking about this yesterday about um, that acronym BRAIN and um, the bring random amazement uh, to normal situations. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really... Do you want to share some more about that from your book? You know, we expect to be treated like crap. In every, in every customer service interaction, we expect to be treated like crap. If we can figure out a way to treat our customers well, okay, that is, that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be great. You don't need to go out of your way and spend millions of dollars. You just need to treat them a little bit better than what they expect. And if you can do that, you can really get them anywhere you want. They will do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And yet companies are really afraid to do some of those new, you know, an inventive or involved or uh, connected type elements. I'm just thinking off of, you know, some of the current events, uh, everything from, um, you know, cab companies and and regulated businesses like banking. And and now you've got the Lyfts and the Ubers of the world, the Airbnbs of the world, the, the crowdfunding, et cetera. I think I think that's kind of shaking a lot of that kind of at the roots, and it seems the driving motivation for people a would be price and and then their experience or or um, maybe perhaps it might even be that different experience. Yep, you know it, it really is amazing how many people just don't even bother, and and you know I, I tell people in my speeches I don't want to create I don't I'm not going to go all Tony Robbins on you and try to help you find your inner tiger. I just want you to suck a little less. I want my inner tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- what else is uh, someone who um, is just starting a company? You know, the the wannabe entrepreneur or the person who's working a job that they're not that thrilled with, and they want to start something new. I want to flip this to to another element of. You know, what is it that you would encourage with your experience of of doing that startup world with what is going on today? What would you do different or what would you tell that person to prepare themselves or to focus on besides just the 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 experience? What is behind that experience or what would be um, some of the steps along the way? I'm not so sure that's so clear. Maybe you can make sense of that. I think one of the best ideas I can give you is to create uh, is, is to understand that um, entrepreneurship or starting up a company or anything along those lines is the equivalent of jumping off of a cliff and then trying your damnedest to sew a parachute together before you hit the ground. And if you imagine it as that, you understand that entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. But there is absolutely nothing wrong of everyone taking the risk with doing it. I know a lot of people who have tried to be successful startup or entrepreneur people have failed and gone back to corporate. But I, I have absolutely no issue with that because if they didn't – I would hate them more if they didn't try. Right. That's right. key. Yeah. You know, so what you can do is how can you create – what can you do and how – what can you do about um, – uh, what can you do to sort of get out of your comfort zone? The, the, the comfort zone is a great, great place, but nothing ever grows there. Mm-hmm. Right? So what can you do to get out of there? Hmm. The element of corporate life has uh, a semblance of, of 
I don't know, I've heard some people call it the permafrost. You know, you get great ideas and innovation might come from, um, you know, the lower levels. But as you rise closer to the C-suite and you start getting into the executives who are more in that middle level, they become kind of the permafrost because they want to keep their jobs. They're focused on making quota and getting their bonuses and uh, mitigating as much risk as possible and therefore to secure their jobs. Um with these programs or ideas of innovation or even what you're stating, um, what are ways that people can sell or evangelize um, and I guess put an ROI to that connectedness? Well, you look at it this way. I mean, the concept of connectedness, the concept of, of hell, even take it from a customer service perspective, the next 50 years of the economy are pretty much going to be driven by the customer interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not that much of a difference between the price that you pay for a steak at Morton's versus the price you pay for a steak at Del Frisco's. Mm-hmm. What does matter, though, is how you're treated when you walk in. Mm-hmm. How you're treated, do the people love you? Are they happy to be there? Are they happy that you're there? Are they treating you well? Things like that. What can you do to make people happy? Just, again, a little bit above crap with the way they're being treated. And what we find is that they are... And again, it, it's not about doing something so incredible, but rather just being a little bit better than people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to go out of your way to comp free meal. The simple act of asking – Morton's does this all the time. They ask if you're celebrating anything when you come in, when you make your reservation. Oh, yeah, it's my friend's birthday. Great. What's his name? Mark. Okay, we'll see you there. Show up and the menu says happy birthday, Mark. Okay, they spend the next 20 minutes Instagramming the crap out of that. Yeah. I think I saw a Instagram photo. Uh, Ted Rubin showed up at a Ritz Carlton or something like that, and they had three pairs of socks because he's a big socky guy, and they're all colorful. And that was again going that extra mile, going to deliver that kind of extra service. Yeah, on the downside of that though is that now I have to think about Ted Rubin's feet, which is never something I really want to do. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> So uh, the element of your career, um, you know, from the outside, it looks like, um, you know, rainbows and butterflies and, and, and pixies, I guess, or unicorns. It, you have been, it seems, you know, success after success after success. What are some of the areas that some people don't recognize? Where are the areas where it's been probably a little more sucky than it has been sweet? I think everyone thinks that, you know, oh, life an entrepreneur is so simple. It's so much fun. You know, it, it's one of those things where my wife takes days off when, you know, she wants to, she's a, she works at an advertising agency and she sometimes takes days off and she gets paid for those days. I take days off and don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there is definitely a moment where you realize, wow, you know, I am working my ass off. Now I love what I do, right? but it's difficult. It's difficult to create a world where you're 24-7 happy. I don't think it's possible. The flip side, though, is if you – for me, I'm a worrier. It's just what I do. I try really hard not to, but you know, I'm a Jew from New York. I'm, I'm going to worry. Right. And so there's a part of me that's always, you know, where's the next dollar coming from? Where's the next money coming from? Where's it? And you always need to focus on that and figure out a way to create that. You know, how can I uh, – 
what can I do to constantly have multiple revenue streams running at all times? How can I do that? How can I constantly make sure that I'm, I'm doing more and more? And it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's definitely difficult. It's a, uh, you know, it, you're, you're constantly busting your ass. There's no question about it. Yeah. And so the mystical fantasy world of entrepreneurial that, you know, is being celebrated right now and, um, you know, the shows on HBO with Silicon Valley and all the startups that are raising incredible amounts of VC money uh, come with the price, you know, and that's, you know, a lot of the things that we do, we don't necessarily um, know that work like we were saying before. And I think that's really funny is um, I've started a couple of nonprofits and, you know, I'm involved in a startup right now. And, you know, if you knew what it was going to take to do it when you started, you probably would have like scratched your head and said, ah, I think... I think I'd like to find something else to do. But it's because of our naivete, um, I don't know. Or if it's maybe like, you know, pregnancy like where mothers forget what it was like the last pregnancy. Um, and we jump it's, it's in. The and- same thing. It's the same thing like when I do, I do triathlons. Mm-hmm. And whenever I do an Ironman, you know, and I am close to death, uh, I finish it and I'm like, oh, my God, this was hell. Oh, my God. Oh, another one if I sign up tonight? Definitely. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like Homer Simpson. Marge, it has a money back guarantee. We'd be crazy not to buy it. Right, you know? right. <laughs> so what are the areas where you kind of have to, you know, drink your own champagne? Here you are, you know, having to speak or having to write or having, you know, in some form or fashion serve, you know, your clients. Where do you build zombie loyalism into Peter Shankman? Well, I mean, it's a very basic concept. You reach out and said, hey, can we do a, a podcast? I'm like, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 you have to be a decent person to yeah. do anything. But business is supposed to be ruthless and cruel and mean and doggy dog, That's, right? Well, it really doesn't have to be. You find a lot more people, um, a lot more people win. You, you win a lot more and you rent a lot more money. And you, you, you make a lot more money uh, with honey than vinegar. And w- here's another thought, and this is kind of my own beef with, with business. You know, Sometimes we think we have to have it so perfect and we have to do business perfect and we have to um, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And interesting enough, it's when companies aren't perfect that oftentimes they win more loyalty. Well, that's the thing. You, you don't need to be perfect. No one, no one wants to be perfect. What they want to do is they want to make sure that you, um, when you make a mistake, that you're on it. No one's going to be pissed off if you make a mistake. What they want to know is that when you make a mistake, you're fixing it. Mm-hmm. That's the- yeah. So I, I want to kind of flip the script here a little bit, but working off of our zombie loyalist uh, um, metaphor, what does it mean being a zombie loyalist to um, your wife or to Jessa? <laughs> I think being a zombie loyalist to, to Jessa is an entirely different world. You know, or to my wife is an entirely different world in the respect that I'd do anything for them. Being a zombie loyalist to a, to a business simply means that I've had a great experience with them um, and would do anything for them. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a difference. Uh, when I say do anything for them, I... Chances are I'd use them over uh, other uh, businesses that do the same thing. 
but I don't necessarily know I take a bullet for it. You wouldn't take a bullet for your, uh, the business. Right. You know, it's, 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 the, it's a different way of, of, of thinking about the logic. You know, being a zombie loyalist to family, I think, is something that just it's supposed to happen, right? Right. But being a zombie loyalist um, to uh, a business means that I, they've gone out of their way to be great to me. So in return, I'm, that's, that's, that's the key. A, a business that goes out of their way to be great to me means I'll be great to them in return. But a business, you know, a, a human being, a family, you know, I think that you're required to be great to them, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you spoke at the uh, Dad2 Summit, you know, as a, as a guest, as a speaker, as someone who was, you know, jumping off the diving board into the, the deep end of the pool. And you've remained um, involved on the Facebook page, on their little, little you know, daddy group or, or whatever they call it. Um, I find that fascinating that you um, stay involved in that. What, why? Well, because from what I know, I'm still a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you want to be, you want to keep in. Uh, um, I learn a lot from them, mm-hmm. right? So for me, if I can learn from these people, and you know, why wouldn't I want to stay in touch? Yeah, and that's uh, what I love about that group is the amount of transparency, and uh, there's not a whole lot of. Um, um, fanfare or fakehood or I don't know what the word is. There's just not an element of where there's pretense. It's just a, a matter of um, you know, guys who are honest and make mistakes and they have a place. Uh, my wife, she she works with some mommy bloggers and she's like, man, I wish I'll, I'll read some stuff off, you know, that, you know, some of the guys have posted. She's like, I wish our groups were as cool as guys groups. I think I just want to join the dad's group. I'm like, yeah, baby. <laughs> I would assume there's probably a little less drama. <laughs> precisely, precisely. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me transition and change gears one more time. So working um, with um, you know all of these corporate executives or or the places that you go, the people that you talk to, um, what is the the elements where they embrace or the places where they reject um, what you're bringing to the table? A lot of times, the businesses that are the most uh, uh, willing to be uh, to, to be right for change are the ones who understand that if they don't, they'll be eliminated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, look at McDonald's, great example, right? They haven't done anything. The last great change they did was salads. Mm-hmm. Right, which is like what twenty five years ago or something like that. They are getting destroyed. Every single millennial. I just read an article this morning. It's funny because on on my Chrome browser, I have a I have a extension that changed the word millennial to the word snake people. So I just read an article. <laughs> just read an article this morning that said uh, <laughs> that said um, snake mm-hmm. people want McDonald's to be more like Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they do because Chipotle has a, a great brand around it. Right. And it's ironic as hell because it used to be because they used to be they, they were taken public by McDonald's. Right. But it's 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 pretty ridiculous. It's just so funny. Um the big companies, they just think, oh, everything will be fine, stay the course, stay the course. Well, you know what happens when you stay the course, you tend to fall off the end of the earth. Right. So 
got to know how to change. And, Look, and the looking smaller, at smaller companies are willing to do that. Uh, to your point, exactly. Um, I was just having a conversation with someone recently regarding Radio Shack. And, you know, part of these innovative companies and movements uh, that are going on, call it what you will, um, the maker movement element, I think, was Radio Shack's, I mean, that was their golden years, their golden days. Um, oh, my was, God. I, was, I, I used to live at Radio Shack. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it's the biggest thing you'd ever know. And then over the last, you know, number of years, it's turned into, you know, basically another place to go get a cell phone. And it's as if they, they walked away from their core. And then as this movement has come up, they never like transitioned into um, being who they actually were. They, they had left. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is. It really is. And I think there's more of these larger companies, to your point, who, you know, go down the list, the blockbusters and everyone else who didn't want to change, who didn't want to embrace uh, the opportunities. And maybe, what do you call them? The snake? Uh, snake people. The snake people might have some good ideas that could be listened to. Um, it's very possible. It's, it's, it's possible. Very possible. It's possible. Um, they just need, you know, a little extra love and encouragement and touchy-feeliness and... And yep. they'll rise to the occasion. <laughs> I'm with you. But again, companies need to understand that. And they're not willing to do that. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so um, somebody is sitting in your office, uh, 21 years old, uh, just getting out of college. Well, maybe they're 22 years old. I don't know, in this day and age, going back to your snake people, maybe they're 26 years old, just getting out of college. Um, they're ready to jump into this new, brave new world um, where being nice to people sometimes doesn't always um, win in the short time, but always wins in the long time. What else would you tell that person? Or even better yet, if you were to talk to Peter Shankman at that age, what would you tell him about his future? Oh, my God. Um, what would I tell Peter Shankman about his future? I would tell him that he... i tell him to go overseas, live abroad for a year before it's too late. Mm -hmm. that saying? So my one regret. Um, I would tell him to try really harder in high school to, um, to get Janice Murphy to date you. And then uh, <laughs> I would also tell him that the weirdness that gets him in trouble and gets him uh, sent to the principal's office and gets him beaten up is actually going to wind up making him a lot of money. And mm. so to embrace that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Connecting to your authentic self. Well, yeah, thank you, it. Peter. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, they want to track you down, how would they Yeah, I welcome it? it. My entire world is at shankman.com. Um, my email is peterchankman.com, and I'm at Peter Shankman on almost all the socials. So uh, by all means, reach out. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Peter, for your time, your generosity, and your... Uh, your transparency. I really appreciate you, man. No doubt. No doubt. I do it. I'm so thankful for Peter sharing today. It's really crazy how the simple element of treating customers nicely, how it plays such a critical role, and yet so few companies actually embrace a strong culture of serving people well. At the same time, following that same line of continuum in our personal lives, I can only imagine it would have a similar impact. 
the power of connection and authentically networking with people from a place of caring and empathy and generosity, this is something that I think is probably truly missing in our world, uh, at least this westernized world for sure. And I've seen all sorts of counterfeits, everything from salespeople that are only nice to you just to get you in the door, but nothing beyond that. Or influencers who are only nice to get you to do something. They use niceness as a tool. They want you to donate your time or your money or your ideas. or It's just not cool. Um, even managers who front a, a caring question, um, but then they never remember the answers you actually gave them to this such caring question. Those are just a few examples of really crappy caring. And since when did caring for others become such a burden? Today, I've got a challenge for you. During your day today, whether you're at work or you're out and you're playing, whatever, I want you to look for an opportunity to be nice to someone while expecting nothing in return. Uh, if it's a coworker, a manager, a store clerk, a stranger in the park or on the street, say something kind or do something thoughtful. You choose what it is, something that challenges you, and maybe even better, something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Then after you do that, shoot me an email and let me know how it went, and maybe we can share it with everyone else. Uh, just send it to my email at hello at angusnelson.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm really excited to hear what good things uh, you do to provide a great experience for someone else. Well, this has been fun. Uh, but before I go, I've got a few things for you. One, um, come and find our private community on Facebook. Simply search for Up In Your Business. Uh, it's a private group. And request your entrance uh, to this safe place to connect and support one another. And second, if you'd like what you're hearing on these podcasts, I'd really appreciate your support by simply going to iTunes and post a five-star rating and, and your review um, or four-star or whatever you think it deserves. Your support helps me reach more people with these valuable nuggets of encouragement. And lastly, I just want to again thank you for stopping by. I know your time is precious and it means the world to me that you would stop by for a visit. I hope that one day we can do it face-to-face. Have a great day, everyone, and be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. <laughs>